0: This message is brought to you by the Church of Pentecost Cyprus. As you listen, may it build faith in your heart, inspire hope in your life and fill you with God's amazing love. Enjoy the message. This month, our focus is faithfulness, faithfulness. Um, last week, I spoke about the faithfulness of God, right? Right. Um, where we looked at our key verse, which is Exodus 36, 34 verse 6. Um, When God was revealing himself to Moses, and he said, in describing himself, he said, he abounds in love and faithfulness. He abounds in love and faithfulness. Um, So we've looked at God. Now we want to come closer home and start looking at us. Because God's children must look like him. God's children must look like him. And today I want to sort of um, speak on a message I've titled, Two Keys to Favor. Two Keys to Favor. Two Keys to Favor. Two Keys to Favor. Over 10 years ago, I came across a verse in the scriptures that changed me and it's something I've tried to live by all my life. Two keys to favor. Two keys to favor. And we'll take our key verse from Proverbs 3 verses 3 to 4. This is for at least over 10 years now this has been the verse that I've lived by. Proverbs 3 verses 3 to 4. It says let love and faithfulness." never leave you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Verse 4. Then, see the word then means is connecting it to verse 3. If you do verse 3, this is what will happen. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. And man. When I came across this verse, I stopped praying, God favor me. Because that's a waste of a prayer. He has given me the key and the principle that will bring me favor. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor. In the sights, you win favor and a good name. In the sights of God and with men. In the sights of God and with men. When you read Luke 2, the Bible says, Jesus grew in stature in wisdom, in favor with God and with man. But it says before that he went back with Mary and learned obedience, submitted to them. There are things that when you do, it triggers favor and a good name. And a good name. The Bible says a good name is far better than riches. A good name. A good name. A good name can purchase for you so many great things. When you have a good name, there are certain things you don't need to pray about. That is why he has given us a name that is above every name. His name is a good name. So when you mention that name, every knee bows, whether of heaven, of earth, or under the earth. good name so here he says that let's love and faithfulness we've seen God God says he abounds in love and faithfulness and now for his children he says also let love and faithfulness never leave you bind it wear it as a chain around your neck write it on the tablets of your heart um so what does it mean to to bind it around your neck and to write it on the tablets of your heart you see so bind as a chain around your neck, that means that constantly where you go, it's a reminder. Constantly where you go, you go with it. Everywhere you step foot into, it should be a permanent chain around you that wherever you go, you carry love and faithfulness. And then when it says write it on the tablets of your heart, the Bible says out of the heart flows the issues of life. So that means everything I do in life, should be, should be done through the lenses of love and faithfulness. Everything I do in love should be done through the lenses of love and faithfulness. And I came across this verse uh, probably about 12 years ago. And since then, the honest truth, this has been the one thing I've wanted to live by. This has been the one thing I've wanted to live by. Love and faithfulness. So what is favor? Favor is an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. An act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. Favor is for one to be preferred above all others and to be treated with partiality. Who here doesn't want favor? If you don't want that, uh, lift your hands, let me pray for you. We'll stop the service and just pray for you alone. To be treated with partiality above all others. Um, Hebrews puts it this way. Hebrews 1 verse 9 puts it this way. He defines favor this way. It says you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Now he's defining favor. Therefore God your God has set you above your companions. And anointed you with the oil of joy. That is favor. Where you are set above all your companions, lifted up above all others, and anointed with the oil of joy. Uh, uh, The King James says the oil of gladness. That means in every season, in every moment of your life, there is a fountain of joy that flows within your soul and nothing can take it away. An anointing with the oil of joy. And he says that what brings that anointing and what brings that promotion or upliftment is because of your love for righteousness and hate for iniquity. It is not pray God lift me. It is not pray God favor me. That will not work. God has bound himself to his word and he lives by his word. If God finds a faithful person, God would not mind lifting that person. It's a key. Keys are used to open doors. Keys are used to close doors. If you don't have the key, you can try all you may, that door will not open. If I lock this door and I don't give you the key to this door, you can bang, you can do everything, you cannot enter. It's the same thing. The room or the realm of favor and the realm of a good name, there are keys that opens it. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Never leave you. Bind it around your neck. Write it on the tablets of your heart. You must bind it around your neck, not someone else. You must write it on the tablets of your heart, not someone else. It says, Then you will win a good name or favor and a good name in the sight of God and with men. And with men. Favor, 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 favor. Love means to put the interests and well-being of others above yours. If I love God, then that means I put the interests of God above mine. When you read Acts 13, it has this to say about David. Acts 13 verse 36. It says, now David, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. When David had served God's purpose, not his own purpose, when he put the purpose and the plans and the will of God above his, that is love. When I say I love God, I place God's purpose above mine. I place God's will above mine. I place God's desires above mine. God, what is your will? What is your intention? My desire is to please you. Designs to please you when we talk about love, it is to place the interests of others above yours, not to be selfish, not to be selfish, not to always be thinking about just you, just me. As there are some people, if there is nothing for them to gain in a thing, they don't want to be involved. Jesus gives us a golden rule about love in Matthew 7, verse 12. He says, So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Not just in some things, but in everything, do to others what you'd want them to do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So love, placing the interests of others above yours, being measured in how you deal with others, being measured in how you deal with others. In Philippians two, Jesus or uh, Paul says that uh, do not regard yourself highly above others. Don't be so pompous. Don't think that you're so big. Be humble. Be humble. Even Jesus humbled himself. Love. Love. And when we talk about faithfulness, I've already spoken about that last week. Faithfulness is to be dependable. To be reliable. To be committed. To be trustworthy. To be firmly devoted to something, whether you like doing it or not. To be firmly devoted to something. Just as the sun is firmly devoted to rising and coming down. That's sort of devotion. That sort of commitment. Irrespective of the season and what is going on in the world, the sun always rises and the sun always sets. Always sets. Faithfulness. 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 To be firmly committed and devoted to something, whether people commend you or not. Whether people applaud you or not. Whether people notice you or not. So he's saying these two things should always be with you. And when you search through scriptures, love and faithfulness always go together. They always move together. I want to look at a few verses. Psalm 25 verse 10, you can note this down. Psalm 25 verse 10, it says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. All the ways of the Lord, Psalm twenty-five, ten. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. So you begin to get a picture that while salvation is made freely available to all of us, um, there is a dimension of favor and grace that you must earn. It doesn't just come. There are things that you do to provoke that dimension of favor. Salvation is made freely available. But those who are faithful to God, God rewards them. God rewards them with favor. God rewards them with a good name. So it's not like you can just live anyhow and just favor will come to you. No. doesn't work like that. Psalm 89 verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. And our key verse that we used last week, Exodus 34 verse 6, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Love and faithfulness go together. Go together. Go together. Go together. Go together. Love and faithfulness go together. We're looking at human beings. We've talked a lot about God. An example of a person who embodied love and faithfulness is Moses. When you read Hebrews 3 verse 5, please let's project it for me. Hebrews 3 verse 5. Says Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Moses was faithful in all God's house. Moses, a man who was also filled with love. See, Moses spends almost 80 days on Mount Sinai in prayer and fasting. And when you read Exodus and you read his prayers, I don't read anywhere where Moses was praying for himself. His whole concern was about Israel, about God, about Israel. And even when it comes to a point where God is so angry and God says, Moses, allow me to kill all these people and start a new nation and generation with just you. Moses says, God, no, no. He had an opportunity for God to just, God would have been right to kill everyone and started with just him, Moses. But Moses' focus was, no, he's thinking about others. Thinking about others. Can you fast even seven days for someone? Can you spend one hour praying for someone? Moses spends almost 80 days in prayer and fasting about God's kingdom and about God's people. That is a man who is filled with love and faithfulness. In Numbers 12 verse 7, this is what it says. Numbers 12, verse 7. It says, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. This is God testifying about Moses. God is speaking. He says to prophets and others, I reveal myself in dreams and vision. But this is not true with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. So I talk to him as a friend talks to the other. That means there is a dimension of revelation that if you're not faithful, God will not bring you into that place. God will not bring you to that place. Faithfulness, love and faithfulness. Love and faithfulness. So, I want to give you a test. A way to test your love and a way to test your faithfulness. And you can grow in each of these things. Or you can grow in love. You can grow in faithfulness. But let's look at um, three things that should be a proof or a testing of your love. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 24. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 24. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about giving, about offering. And the giving is talking about he wants to take a collection from them to give to another church. Let's read together. It's on the screen. 3, 2, 1, go. Therefore show to them and before the churches. So you see, love is something that's should be evident, should be displayed for everyone to see. And the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So Paul is saying that basically I've been boasting about you, Corinthian church, to others. I've been boasting about how you are bound in gifts and how you're good and how you're concerning and you're thoughtful of others and now prove it. You're filled with this, you're filled with love, you're filled with all of that, prove it. Prove it. So, what are the three areas or three things that proves your love? One, your ability to serve, your ability to serve others. Measure yourself, your ability to serve. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. There are some people they're too big to serve. When was the last time you served? In what capacity are you serving? Is the focus of your life about receiving from others? Your ability to serve. You know, growing up, it gets to a stage where your parents may become even annoying. Sometimes the remote is right next to them and they will call you. Come and get it for me. And you're like, this old woman, this old man, this thing is right there. It is a test of your service. How humble you are to serve. Your ability to serve. Do you think of yourself higher or above others? Can you serve others? Can I call you and say do this, do that, do this? Love serves. Love serves. Secondly, your ability to sacrifice. If you tell me you have love. And I don't see any ability to serve within you. And I don't see any ability to sacrifice within you. You're just making noise. Your ability to sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Your ability to sacrifice your time. Your ability to sacrifice your resources, your finances. Your ability to sacrifice things that are close to you. Because of Abraham's love for God, he was willing to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, to the Lord. Your ability to sacrifice, to sacrifice, your resources, your life, to the Lord. Thirdly, your ability to endure, endure. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love endures, love bears all things. Love covers a multitude of sins. That means love has the ability to forgive others. It's not just you offend me once and that is it I've cut you off. Ability to endure. You're able to bear with others. Love is patient. Love forgives. You're able to be patient with others. You're able to endure with others. Love endures. Love endures. So these three things to serve to sacrifice, and to endure. How do you fail on all of it? Just for 30 seconds, talk to the person next to you, please. Ask them for me. Mm-hmm. If you get to assess yourself, one out of ten on each category. <laughs> is there enough proof that you're filled with love? Now may the Lord God Almighty have mercy on all of us. Amen. Amen? Amen. God has to increase our capacity, right? He has to increase our capacity to serve. Increase our capacity to, to sacrifice. Some of you, you are at the same level of sacrificing. Always two euros, two euros offering, two euros, two euros, two euros. <laughs> You've not gone above that. May the Lord God Almighty have mercy on all of us. Now, a test of your faithfulness. If your faithfulness is to be proven, there are three things that should prove it as well. And I'll focus more on this side. Our key reading is on this one, on Luke 16. Verses 10 to 12. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your neck. Write it on the tablets of your hearts. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. The test of your faithfulness. Luke 16 verses 10 to 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest, so an unfaithful person is called a dishonest person. In little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Next verse. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will entrust with you Or who will entrust you with the true riches of heaven? I mean, this euro is, it doesn't compare to the true riches of heaven. And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? This is Jesus speaking. And he mentions three areas of faithfulness. First one is little things. Second one is money. Third one is other people's things. Proof of your faithfulness. Little things. Money. The King James uses the word mammon. He uses the word unrighteous mammon. And other people's things. So let's look at these three areas. And then you measure yourself. Where you are. We've looked at God. We've seen Moses. Now we're coming to you and I. Amen? Little things. And to help us look at little things, I want to use a young man called David. 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 David is too faithful. We'll start from 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. So we're getting a picture of David. This one, I'm looking at it from the New King James Version. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, Keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. When we're introduced to David, we're introduced to him as someone who is taking care of sheep. 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 His brothers, his siblings, everyone is doing other things. But his father is old and his father entrusts into his hands the responsibility of taking care of sheep. And as I was studying about David and his ability to be faithful in little, I began to wonder, at the age of 17, where did David learn that from? How could he be so faithful at that young age? Sheep. How many of us would be so committed if our parents gave us the sheep to take care of? So this is where we're introduced to David. Then let's jump to 1 Samuel 17. Verse 15, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, for you to appreciate this, towards the latter end of chapter 16, David has been brought into Saul's house to play instruments for him. But even though he now had a new role where he was now in the palace, he did not forget about the sheep. He could have used his new responsibility in Saul's house to say, ah, I'm too big for still doing that small thing. I'm too big. He could have used the excuse that, ah, dad, I'm not available. I need to go and play. King Saul has called me. Do you know who I am? He never forgot about. So it says, but David would occasionally, would leave Saul's place and go to Bethlehem to go and still look after his father's sheep. At that young age, little things, little things, little things. Some people have lost God's blessings because of little things. They don't know how to be faithful in little things. David was still faithful in little things. Let's look at how little. First Samuel 17 verse 20. So the previous verse was that David's father said to him that, David, go and take food to your brothers and see how they are doing. Take food to your brothers and see how they are doing. A simple little instruction. David was faithful in it. There was one time that someone lost an opportunity that I would wanted to give to the person. I told the person, please, just organize to meet me. The person wasn't able to. Just couldn't find little time to meet me. Not knowing why God was laying on my heart to meet them. David, his father gave him a little instruction. Take food to your brothers and see how they are doing. Now, what does David do about the sheep? Let's go to First Samuel 17 verse 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper. That means even though he had something else to do, he was still concerned about the little sheep. And took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was about or was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. You're taking care of sheep. Your father says, go and do something else. What do you do with the sheep? Some would not even care or bother. They'll just leave it. Whatever will happen to the sheep should happen. But David rose early in the morning. That means he sacrificed sleep. And then looked for someone to take care of the sheep. Whilst he went to do this, to come back to the sheep. Little things Little things. How faithful are you in little things? You see, no wonder God could entrust Goliath in the hands of David. No wonder God could entrust mighty Goliath in the hands of David. Because if God can find a man faithful in little things, he doesn't mind entrusting big things into their hands. You're praying for big things. God has given you something to do at your current level. You're still not faithful with it, and you think by praying you would enter into another realm. Learn to be faithful at the little in the little things where God has placed you. Now be faithful in that little thing. If you can't learn that, nothing will shift or change. Let's look at how little the sheep were. First Samuel seventeen twenty-eight. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? So that means his father's sheep were not many. Those few sheep. But look at how David was so faithful to that task those few sheep, little things. And because David was faithful with the little, God could entrust him with the kingdom of of Israel. God could entrust him with the palace of Israel. God could entrust him with Israel, the nation of Israel. God could protect him and keep him. Little things. How faithful are you with little things? Little things. Second area, of course, we know David has a good name even till today. David's name is a good name because of his faithfulness and his love for God and others. He says, if you are unfaithful with money, money, money has a way of changing people and doing all kinds of things to people. If you are faithful with money, God will entrust you with true riches. So what does faithfulness with money look like? That means a person who is faithful with money is one who uses money in a responsible way. Out of the 100%, they honor God with 10%. They honor God with 10%. Out of the remaining 90%, they save 20%. They don't gamble the 20%. They don't misuse what belongs to God and others. They save 20%. See, people will say that, I can't save, I can't save. If you don't learn how to save with little, you may even be earning 1,000 or 5,000, 10,000 euros a month. You still won't be able to save. You still won't be able to save. If you don't know how to control your appetite and the things that draw or, or, or come knocking on your door for attention, you still won't be able to save. If you don't learn how to give. You see, our parents taught us this when we were younger. Those of us who grew up in church. That when you're going to church, they will give you some coins that when you go, give offering. They were trying to put something inside us. But when we grow to a certain point, then... Know that. So 10% you honor God with. It. 20% you save. Then 60% should be your living expense. If your living expenses are above 60%, you're, you're living too large. Minimize. Minimize. Know how to handle money. Know how to handle money. Then the last 10% you should use it to help others and bless others. You must still find room in your finances to bless others. Paul told the church, one of the churches, that all those who do not work should go and find work to do so that they can have money to give to others who don't have. In your income and your finances, there should be provision to honor God without fail. There should be provision to save without fail. And there should be provision to take care of your main expenses. Others are luxuries. Others are not needed. And there should be provision to be a blessing to other people. If you're not able to handle money in that way, God cannot entrust true riches to you. You're unfaithful. You're not disciplined. You're not disciplined. Some, when it comes to other things, they can find the money to do it. But when it comes to things of God, things of church, they can't find the money. Your priorities are wrong. Your priorities are skewed. Everything else you can find money for. You can subscribe to Netflix. You can subscribe to other things. But when it comes to God, you don't have the money. And you're expecting God to entrust you with true riches. Faithfulness. Then the final thing. Final area of faithfulness. Is with someone else's property. Someone else's property. How do you treat other people's property? How do you treat someone's wife or husband? How do you treat someone's daughter? How do you treat someone's son? How do you treat other people's belongings? How do you treat someone's house? Some of you have rented houses and the way you treat the house. Things that you will not do in your own house, you will do it. There was once a time I heard a story about a church somewhere where someone had gone to the toilet and changed their baby's um, diapers and put the diaper inside the toilet and was flushing it. Because it was not their own house, so they didn't really bother. Someone's house. The way you live in someone's house that you're renting, how are you treating it? I remember when I went to uni in my first year, my accommodation was all-inclusive. So the amount I paid, it was a student accommodation, the amount I paid included water and electricity. So what I would do is I would leave the electricity on all throughout. Because I wasn't paying for it. I will just leave it on. Then later when I started paying bills, I realized that no, that thing is foolishness. Because now I'm now using my own money to pay. I realized that no, I should be more wise with it. Some, maybe your parents are sending you money to pay your rent and your bills. How do you use it? Some can leave AC on in Cyprus throughout. Oh, it's too hot. But if you are now paying the bill, You will find a way to regulate your temperature. You'll find a way to balance your temperature. But because it's not you. Oh, it's too hot, it's too hot, it's too hot. Continue. Continue. Faithfulness. How do you treat other people's things? When someone gives you a car, when someone gives you something, how do you treat it? If you are not faithful with other people's property, God will not give you your own. It's not praying, God, give me my own. God, give me my own. God, when will my time come? God, when will my turn come? No, God is saying, I'm testing you. I've given you someone else's thing. Let me see. Let me see if I can trust you. These are principles. I hope I'm making sense. I hope I'm preaching the gospel to you. How do you treat someone else's work? Those of you who work for people, how do you do the work? If it was your work, how would you do it, to be honest? The kind of lies you tell your manager. If you were the manager and they lied to you like that, how would you handle it? God honors those who are faithful. How do you handle other people's work? How do you handle God's work when it's given to you? How do you handle it? Examples of people who are faithful with other people's things. One was Joseph in the house of Potiphar. He was so committed to Potiphar's work. He did it as though it was his own to a point where even Potiphar's wife offered herself freely and he said no 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 to that Joseph in the house of his uncle Laban took care of his uncle's sheep did it so well that there was an increase and 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 an increase in his in his uncle's properties you see it is said that there are three kinds of leaders to say there are three kinds of leaders there are leaders who are undertakers That means whatever you give them, they'll bury it. There are leaders who are caretakers. That means what you give them, they just manage it and it remains the same. And there are leaders who are risk takers. They try to bring an increase in whatever you entrust into their hands. You and I are all leaders. Someone has entrusted something into your hands. How are you managing it? How are you managing your time? How are you managing everything? So, as I bring my message to an end. let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. See, slaves were controlled from their necks. That means love and faithfulness should control you, pull you, control you. Write them on the tablets of your hearts. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. May the Lord God Almighty increase our capacity to love and to be faithful in all of those three areas. Amen. So we can't end this message without giving you an opportunity to make things right with God. If you would like to do so, then I would humbly ask you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I confess that I have fallen short of your expectations. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. Today, I accept the forgiveness and the salvation that Jesus offers. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Come live in me. Come change me. Come help me to live a life that pleases you. This I have prayed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you have prayed this prayer for the first time, then congratulations. You have taken the first step to making things right with God. I would encourage you to get in touch with us on any of our social media handles and will help you to grow in your relationship with God. May the Lord bless you, may he keep you, may he prosper you, and be gracious and kind to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. If you'd like to know more or have any questions, please contact us by email at info at copcypress.org or in any of our social media platforms at the COP Cyprus. God bless you.